superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 319! 319! This is The Rich Eisen Show. The second pick. The New York Jets select. So the Jets either drafted the next Broadway Joe... <laughs> Or, I will say it, they drafted Stifler and his mom. (laughs) The Rich Eisen Show. Earlier on the show. Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. Saints head coach, Sean Payton. Coming up. Eagles general manager, Howie Roseman. WWE superstar, Drew McIntyre. And now... It's Rich Eisen. All right, everybody. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. We already had Brandon Staley and Sean Payton of the Chargers and Saints, respectively. Arthur Smith of the Falcons is on tomorrow's show. Billy Crystal will be in this hour on tomorrow's program as well. Mike McCarthy will be on the this hour of the program on Friday. We're trying to give you as much as information as we can about the NFL draft. We'll also talk to people like Drew McIntyre, WWE superstar, is calling in in about 20 minutes' time right here on the show. But we're also trying to give you as many newsmakers as possible, and this man is exactly that, right in the middle of everything for the Philadelphia Eagles. The uh, executive vice president and general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, Howie Roseman, back here on the show. How are you, Howie? Rich, I got to tell you, you guys have Drew McIntyre on next. I got two little boys, yep. uh, two of my four kids, who are going to be so excited to hear about Drew McIntyre. They are every day WWE watching, listening. I mean, this, this is unbelievable. I'm fired up for that. After I'm, I'm... Well, are, are they in the car right now, Howie? Are they? sounds like you're driving in the car right now. Are they in the car right now with you? Yeah. They, are they no, in the... they are not in the car. They're, they're oh. at school. We're back in school in, in okay. Philadelphia, which is a beautiful thing. Okay, because I would have introduced you as NFL superstar Howie Roseman if they were in the car, just you know, to give you the uh, that, daddy that's points. That's awesome. I pre- you, you know, you know, you know, you got kids. You yeah. know, it's all about them. It's, no doubt. It's about daddy points too. Let's be honest. Come on, anytime you could possibly <laughs> Whatever it takes. do. Exactly. Uh, all right, boy. Have you been in the middle of everything, man? I mean, <laughs> uh, let me just let's walk through, if you don't mind, um, the first time you got a phone call from the Dolphins. And did they tell you that this was contingent upon something they were working with the Niners and you had to keep all of that quiet way back in March? Like there was just like an an NBA three-team deal that was going on. Is that really what this was? I know. It was exciting. You know, I, th- I think we tried to talk about it theoretically. Hey, theoretically, would you guys move back if we move back and want to move back up? And, and then it gets to a point where you're going, all right, all right, dude, like – you're going to have to trust me here because I'm going to have to figure out where you're going right. so I can figure out if we want to do it. Right. And I think that's the great thing about about the relationships we have with those two teams is 
everyone trusted one another, and it really didn't get out until Zach Wilson threw. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Because, right. you know, so yeah, because you're like, why would you move out of six to go down to 12 if if you didn't know who who was coming up to three and for what and for who? You know, you had to know. Yeah, so- we, we had to get all the information because we had to figure out, all right, here are the players that we want to come. I mean, we had a miserable year, right, Rich? Like, that wasn't fun. And, and certainly our country had a miserable year, more importantly. Um, but we wanted to come out of this draft and, and get a difference maker, get someone who really would have huge impact on our football team. And um, we had to make sure that we were going to do that. And, and for us and where we sit right now, um, it's crazy to think, you know, three years ago on this show talking about us being world champs. But uh, we knew that for us to get a difference maker and, and to end up with an, an additional first-round pick in the 2022 20, draft where maybe things were a little bit more certain made sense for, for our football team and our franchise. Well, I mean, and, you know, obviously Eagles fans were lockstep with you and wanting to get a big-time playmaker or somebody who could make a difference. And when you traded out of six, I think you're aware in your, in your neck of the woods, people kind of f- flipping or freaked that you were giving up a chance of pits and chase. And is there any sort of, um, I guess, solace that you take in the fact that subsequently now in 2020 hindsight, neither would have been there at six anyway for you? Well, I think that, that we had to make that part of the discussion when we were moving back. Like, what do we really think is going to happen? Obviously, you know, we're not in uh, the Atlanta Falcons or Cincinnati Bengals facility, so we don't know for sure. But when we went through, we thought there was a strong possibility that that may occur. Uh, and for us, uh, being able to get this pick and the certainty of the pick and knowing how hard those are to get during the draft, and knowing that we felt like there were there were a bunch of really good outcomes for us with that first-round pick, um, we made the decision. But I can't tell you there are mo- moments that um, we were putting a, a lot of a lot of religions prayers together. <laughs> I, I, I normally ask questions that I kind of know the answer to first, so uh, I'm I'm rolling the dice here. Have you ever made a trade with the Dallas Cowboys before? Was that your first one last year? Actually, huh. uh, we we moved we moved back in the from the, at the end of the fourth round to the top of the fifth and got a next year fifth, and then um, we made one with Coach Reed uh, when we traded back in the first round, and they took Anthony Spencer, and we moved back to the second round and took Kevin Cobb. So this has happened before. This wasn't truly you know man bites dog in a way, but was that something that you already had planned and that you you pushed the button? Uh, on and called up the Cowboys uh, once Devontae Smith was, you knew, available at 10? Or how does something like that work, Howie? You know, it's funny because in the week up to the draft, you know, um, our, our PR guys who do an unbelievable job, Bob Lang, Brett Schoesacker, they're, they're unbelievable. Um, they're telling me everyone thinks, you know, you're making all these calls to moving up, and I'm going, yeah, definitely. Making a ton, ton of calls. We're, we're making a tough calls to the teams in front of us and the teams behind us, and that's our job, right? Like, we got to figure out uh, what the opportunities are going to be. So, you know, you're making all those calls before the draft to figure out who's willing, who's open, so you're not starting from scratch on the clock when, you know, uh, all hell's breaking loose. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that. But yes, you are. <laughs> Absolutely, that works. Okay. And so that's, and that's okay. how – but you don't, you don't exact the trade until you know that you get the call from – you know, NFL HQ to find out that the Broncos did not take the guy that you were willing to trade up to two spots to go get, right? 
That's how that works. Right. I mean, right. The, you wait, you kind of wait for it. We get to pick a, about a minute before um, it's announced, and then you kind of spring into action. And uh, I think the one thing we, we were certain of was that it, it wasn't going to be the, the lightest draft capital going from two slots in the history of the draft. So we knew that wasn't going to happen. Well, it's interesting. We knew, we, we knew what. We knew it wasn't going to happen for like, you know, a sixth and, 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 a, and a pile of cheesesteaks. Right. But it's interesting you use the word lightest when you were referring to who you eventually took and the concept about Devontae Smith being 166 pounds soaking wet. The comp that actually came out of my brain, believe it or not, since I'm not usually in the business of player comps that we put up on the screen on NFL Network was Allen Iverson. Um, I saw that in the mock draft. My, my sons, you know, they showed me that and um, – uh, I think I think that Devontae's a unique player, unique player, unique person, and you know, sometimes you get to this level and, and everyone's trying to go well, look for the perfect comp. But sometimes the guys that that are really special players don't necessarily have that perfect comp, and that could be hard for us sometimes. You know, when we talk about making selections and comparing players, but um, I, I think that's really important. Uh, as we go forward to just look at what he does and who he is. And so who who will he be for you? I mean, what? how do you envision with your new head coach and a new system coming in or at least a new head coach with his system coming in? How, how do you envision a guy who's a buck 66 being used in the National Football League? Yeah, this, this guy can play all over the field. You know, he can play inside, outside. He can be in the backfield. Uh, I think that when you talk about his skill set as a route runner, he's got unique length and, and really strong hands. Uh, and the, the fun thing with our offensive coaching staff and, and Coach Sirianni uh, is when, he, when we talk about these guys, he, he, this is how it started. He'll go, all right, Devontae Smith, and this is how we're going to use him, and these are the routes we're going to use him. And then when we're trying to kind of get back to the top of the mountain, we talk about what kind of characteristics we're looking for and this guy, the toughness that this guy brings to the table, that you, you just see it. I mean, we, we drafted um, a, a kind of hybrid linebacker safety in the sixth round, uh, Jacoby Stevens. And, and you watch plays like, I mean, he, he's trying to knock him out, you know, and he pops right back up, you know. It's, it's like Dumby-like. So uh, he's got unique toughness uh, as well as a unique playing style. Howie Roseman, GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, executive vice president here on the Rich Eisen Show. Your quarterback situation, um, I, I'll be honest with you, your new head coach um, saying that this is a, that you can't name one because he, you know, everybody just got there and it's Joe Flacco and it's Jalen Hurts. Is, is this not Jalen Hurts' gig here in Philly? Now we're post-draft? Well, when... Well, there's a lot to like about Jalen Hurts. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you go back to the reasons that we drafted him and the skill set that he provides and that he has. And um, really, you talk about another guy who exhibits exceptional toughness and um, how many games he's won. he won as a college football player. And uh, then you watch him every day. You watch him get better. You watch him really get better from Alabama to Oklahoma and then Oklahoma through the pre-draft process. Uh, and then when we got him on the grass, you know, seeing him and how he got better. But when you talk about Coach Sirianni, for him, everything is earned. You know, we feel great about Jalen, but he wants to have uh, competition everywhere. And so, uh, obviously, we got some, some veterans who have so many skins on the wall that, you know, maybe that, that's not realistic to say. But um, Jalen's and that's how he's always been. So, 
uh, I think that was that was kind of part of it. And, and certainly, you're also talking about a, a week before the draft and not wanting to give all the answers to the test. Right, I guess so. Um, so, so Hertz uh, obviously knows Devonte Smith, and we know that. Um, my gosh, I, I mean, I, I could go on and on with you for about an hour, and I appreciate you you taking the time here as you're driving around. Carson Wentz, when, when did you realize that this wasn't working out anymore? Was it during the season? Was it during the season that's just like, okay, this is a wrap because of X, Y, and Z that I'd love to know what you could fill in here. When did you realize that this had to, this had to, you know, end? Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, there, there's been no bigger fan of Carson Wentz than myself, and, and really the Eagles organization. And you see it with with what we did to trade up to get him and then extend him um, after we won the Super Bowl. And, and there was great communication with him and his team and and his agents, who we have a great relationship with. And, and during the season, you're, it was, it was again, not, not our most fun season, clearly, <laughs> Rich. And, um, and so, you know, you're trying to get through it and uh, get through the moment and not really have those conversations. And uh, uh, amazingly enough, really, we, we still had a chance towards the end of the season. Uh, but as we went past it and, and went through this coaching search and had more conversations with him as well and talked to him, and, you know, it, we've – probably realized that sometimes a press start is best for everyone, and if it would work out for our team as well as him, uh, maybe that was the direction that we would go in. Well, and then combined with the pick you got from Miami and the trade that we discussed at the outset of this conversation and your own, uh, based on if Wentz works out in Indianapolis with Frank Reich as a reunion and everyone expects that to, to work out that way, you could have three sure. first-round draft choices next year, and that leads to a conversation amongst my colleagues that you can utilize that to get whoever you want at the quarterback position next year, or maybe even trade for somebody else who you can't talk about right now because you don't want to get fined. Um, is is this a Jalen Hurts one year um, audition for the gig in Philadelphia, Howard? No, I think when you look at it, you go back to us being in the Super Bowl in 2017, and then trying to run it back in 2018, and. Man, there was a moment in that uh, New Orleans game that, that I felt like we were going back to the championship game. And then the following year, we won the division. And we were doing some short-term things to win. And, and I feel like there are moments with your football team where you do whatever it takes. And certainly, we were, we were doing, trying to do whatever it takes to win more than that just one Super Bowl. And uh, then we kind of got, got an uh, opportunity here to maybe – get our cap back right and to get a bunch of, of draft picks. And, and I think I saw um, that you know, we have the most draft capital of any team in the league. So uh, at the end of the day, we have the flexibility at any position to improve our football team going forward. And um, we're all proving ourselves at every position every day, you know, including me, including everyone in our building and, and getting that fire and, and passion back to, to make sure that that works out. No, and obviously, you know, it could work out with Jalen where he's just so supremely talented and he's used to having the pressure and then the crucible of Philadelphia. And then obviously that informs your choices of what you do with those first round selections. I, I am mandated to ask you this because I asked it of Kyle Shanahan the other day when he was on the show. When you heard that Aaron Rodgers was upset and that report came out on Thursday, did you maybe make a call, a YOLO call before the draft, just in the same way that uh, Kyle Shanahan did to Green Bay? Howie? Yeah, I'll tell you what, Rich. You know, we're uh, we're not going to talk about anyone on anyone else's team and any names, but, you know, you know this. Our fans know this. 
you know, it's our job to look at everything and any opportunities out there to improve any avenue to make this team better. Uh, that's our job. Okay. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm mandated to ask you these questions, Howie, you know, I'm just a curious guy sitting here and you were just been, <laughs> you've been in the middle of everything. I mean, everything. It's it, you know. Uh, What'd you say? It's the crucible. The crucible. What'd you call it? The crucible of yes, Philadelphia. That is that. That's gonna be that's gonna be the title of my book one day. The well, crucible I'm more than, of Philadelphia. I'll give you a blurb if you want a blurb, Howie. I'll give you a blurb. I'm very. Uh, I, I like that. Yeah. You I'm, know what our blurb is? Our blurb is walking around uh, Lincoln Financial Field before the first ever home game. You and I. That's right. Lost. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't on NFL Network yet, even. That was not even. Oh, no. I, I was not the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles either, so we've come a long way, my man. We go way back. Thanks for the call, Howie. I greatly appreciate it. Let's and I again. I know you got. Oh, I guess last one. Did you play rock paper scissors with Nick Sirianni? Because I haven't found anybody. I asked a whole bunch of prospects. Did you do that? Oh, oh, oh. Did he really oh, do no, that, no. or is he joking? Not did he... only did not did, not only did I did it, but I beat but I beat his butt, and I'm not gonna play again. I'm retired. I'm the king You've... of rock. Paper, it's a walk off. So he was was he being I serious? Off and I told and he, and he 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 was being serious because he's got a lot of competitive things going. But you know, for me, I beat him. It was two out of three. I retired the champ. I dropped the mic. Game over. Outstanding. <laughs> All right. Very good. Best to your family, Howie. Thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you, Thank you. You bet. That's yeah. Howie Roseman, GM of the Eagles. Didn't even get to you know head coach and. Front office and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you're right. We could have done an hour. With, uh, with plus Howie, all that, bu- easy. you know, I'm not all that business of the the, uh, the draft camera showed him and Tom Donahoe of this of the Eagle staff having a what looked like a spat. Do you know how many times there must be spats that go on in a draft yeah. room? I cannot imagine yeah. a draft room because we always see whenever we you, you see on a draft cam, here's a draft cam, whatever. This is what you see. You see head coach like this. That's the back of Pete Carroll's head, everybody. Like, I've done, honestly, I've done how many drafts? 17 of these. Right? 17, 17. You see the back of somebody, or, or you see, you know, clapping, owner on the phone, whatever. And then you see the, the slickly produced videos that are now out on, right. on What's social really media. Cool? They're really great. Cool? Hey, yeah. how'd you like? Are you happy to be joining the Dallas Cowboys? You know, like, yeah. you know, who is this? Go F yourself. You call, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, right. Jerry Jones. Got it. Sure. Bye. You know, I don't believe it. It's my friend. You're. My buddy put you up to this, right? Yeah. Like you don't see that, but you also don't see the draft cameras must pick up an insane amount of face-to-face arguments, face-to-face sort of like showdowns. There are definitely some arguments in these rooms, yeah. and 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 a general manager, I'm sure, has to make a call. And there might be some drama that is going on in the front office that already has everybody's edges frayed, walking into the room where they feel their voices aren't heard or what have you. Sometimes we get in I mean, arguments pre-show about what we're going to talk about. Well, like, we get in arguments on the air, like you got all pissed off with me saying that the way you played Master <laughs> Key and the Price is Right was an absolute botch of the situation. I, that you got too focused on entertaining and not focused on winning. I, I didn't get mad whatsoever. My blood pressure did not raise. <laughs> All right, we have some nice parting gifts for everybody, and it's an interview with Drew McIntyre, WWE superstar. Drew McIntyre, now an author. He will join us when we come back here on this edition of The Rich Eisen Show. No popcorn for you. 
Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The sleep number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Thrilled and delighted. The man who needs no introduction, but I'll give it to him anyway, the legend, Tony Hawk. Oh, thank you. How are you, bud? Very good, thanks. Okay, so what do we have here? Choices, because, you know, I've never I've never been on a skateboard. I heard that, yeah. So, uh, well, your staff brought sort of a um, spectrum on board. This one's this straight a, out of, I'd say, like 1982, 83-ish. That's a thumbs up from the owner, Ted and then, uh, This one is relatively new. It's a little bit, it's more like for trick-oriented. Okay. So I'd say well, less stable for you. Okay, we can't have that. Right. All right. Um, I guess mine's kind of in between because I got big feet, so I ride a stable board wow. with tight trucks. Are you, you actually use your sure. skateboard? Yeah, of course. Okay, so, wow. All right. All right. Have you ever done any boards uh, for you, surf, you snowboard? <laughs> this is a blank slate situation. All right. All right. So if I were to, let's see, you have to decide which way you stand, first of all. Okay. Right? So you're either going to stand with your right foot forward or your left foot forward. Well, I'm, I'm a right-handed guy. so That doesn't matter. <laughs> How do you let's, ski? Uh, let's say if you're, you're, someone terrible. were to push you forward, which, which foot would you? All right. Yeah, I go. say you're goofy-footed. Okay. Like goofy. me. There we go. You're riding my board, you're goofy-footed. This okay. is great. So, all right? Yeah. So what you want to do is put your... Front foot on the board, a yes. little bit of an angle. Okay. Right? Yes. And then just give it a little push off, and then straighten your feet, your front foot out after it's moving. Okay. And my only advice is to anticipate the motion. Anticipate right? the motion. So I'm going to <laughs> don't fall. right foot like this. this oh my God, bad. this is no good. And then push off with the left? Yeah, and then just lean forward. Make sure you're leaning forward. <laughs> that would be leaning back. <laughs> Is that uh, what you guys are hoping for? Yeah. Was that the money shot? That is exactly what we were hoping I for. I swear I gave him good advice. What a... 
What a horrible moment. <laughs> but this is what everybody in this room was hoping for. Wow. I'm going to do it again. Oh, There's a lot. Okay. One down. Oh, yeah. Let's do it again. Okay, you wow. got it. I'm going to do it again. You got to lean forward. Lean forward on your front, like over your front foot. All right, you're centered more over your front leg. Okay. There you go. That's it. That's it. You got it. I teach my kids to stay on, stay on the board. There you go. Look at me. That's it. You're Look skating. Tony Hawk, hey! everybody. Hey. Hey. High five for perseverance. Got to teach the kids to get back on it. But wow. I do need an ice pack. I'd lend an ice pack, please, somebody. Okay, everybody. If you're watching on a streaming device uh, or you're streaming us on your television, you could watch us on a desktop, uh, PeacockTV.com. Some crucial information is uh, more and more offices are reopening in the United States of America. And pre-pandemic, we were one of the leading causes of poor work habits um, <laughs> from 12 to 3 Eastern we for, there, for yeah. almost seven years. I mean, we were, the number of people were like, yeah, I'm watching you at work or whatever. We were proud of that. <laughs> Production went down in this country. 844-204-RICH um, is the number to dial here on the show. We will take your phone calls. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We'll take them before the end of the show. But right now, back here on, on the Rich Eisen Show, uh, is uh, one of the most popular members of WWE, which is, as you know, um, on Peacock, which is the exclusive streaming home of the WWE in the United States of America. And this man's got a new book, a Chosen Destiny, Drew McIntyre, My Story. Drew McIntyre, back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, sir? I'm absolutely fantastic. How are you keeping? I'm doing fine. I'm absolutely, I'm keeping well. I'm keeping well. Congrats on the book. Congrats on it. Well, thank you. It's completely surreal to hear that. Uh, <laughs> WWE, I'm living my dream. I won the title a couple of times this year. And now, on top of it all, I've got a freaking book about my life. So let me, let me let me ask you about this freaking book about your life, uh, <laughs> Drew. Um, if I had told the, the kid in Scotland uh, that you would write a book one day, um, what, would, uh, what would that kid have said back in the day? I mean, to be completely honest, I would have said, of course I will, and I will achieve all my crazy dreams Love of going it. to WWE from Scotland and winning the title, because I was a pretty cocky kid, a lot of self-belief, but as the book details, I quite an interesting journey uh, to get to this point, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and honestly, it wasn't my idea to put the book out, I didn't think to myself, you know what the world needs right now, as a WWE wrestler from Scotland to write a book, and that was brought <laughs> to my attention, you know, Drew, you're very open about your story, and all the interviews you do I, on the television show, Monday Night Raw, would you be willing to put it down in a book? <clears throat> like, especially the times you were down in your life and all the lessons you learned. Really think you could help people out there, inspire them through your story. Obviously, telling my wrestling story, but more my life story, my personal story, and the things that I've come through. And I think it was very important during this time we've been going through the past year that if I could help even one person to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how dark times get, that's what it's all about. Drew McIntyre here on the Rich Eisen Show. So let's get into it. Um, the... Um the dark times that you're referring to that you got through to get to, to, to where you are today. What, what is that? Not to give away too much that's in your book, but uh, go for it if you don't mind. Uh, where do I start? Um, you know, I was the first ever Scotsman signed to WWE 21. So I was living the dream in the beginning. Uh, I was right on television. One of the fastest people from, you know, getting signed to WWE to be put on their television show. Vince McMahon himself, the head of the company, pointed at me on the show as a 23-year-old and said, this is the future right here, future world champion. No pressure whatsoever, of course. <laughs> and uh, things were going as good as they could possibly go. I was literally living my dream, and then things came undone. Uh, there was a lot of personal things going on, such as my mother 
in Scotland getting very sick at the time with cancer. I was a world away. I was such a mummy's boy growing up close to my family. I was living in America so far away from them. She told me through Skype, as I had to see her go through all the chemotherapy treatment, radiation treatment, if you come back home, I'm going to kick your butt. Just keep pushing, keep achieving your dream. It was really affecting me at the time. Started affecting my job. I started going out more, drinking more. And then she unfortunately passed. And it went from burning the candle a little bit at both ends to the candle being completely engulfed in flames. And I kept this to myself. If WWE knew what I was going through, <clears throat> how much I was suffering, they would have got me the help I needed, the mental health health help I needed. But I kept it to myself. I suffered kind of in silence. I acted out in a lot of ways. It affected me professionally. Personally, I got fired from my dream job. Uh, so suddenly I was fired from WWE, 29 years old, no idea what to do. Luckily, I had my current wife, and she's the one that picked me up, put me on the right path as I detail in the book, helped this crazy out-of-control boy who could not deal with his emotions finally grow up, finally become a man, become successful professionally, but more importantly, grow up as a man, return to WWE, get to the top of the mountain, become a two-time WWE champion. A couple of weeks, I'm fighting for the title once again. A WrestleMania backlash live on Peacock. Things are going well, but we detail it all in the book. You know what? I've never had such a journey as a host, an answer that starts out so introspective and emotionally and ends so promotionally. Uh, Drew, I'll be very honest with you. That was incredible. I you took me. You took me. You took me on a. You took me on a, a run right there. That uh, that. Uh, I'm very impressed. I'll just say that. You know, I've never... <laughs> the talent taught to me by Vincent, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> Before we get to that, what did your wife say to you that kind of got through your skull? What did she say to you? Uh, we kind of had, you know, a serious sit-down, and it resulted after a broken neck. Um, I'd been outside the company for a couple of years, and I was succeeding at the highest level outside of WWE. I was the most successful wrestler in the world that wasn't part of WWE. I was traveling all the time. I was never home. She was holding the fort at home. I was never there. I was going out all the time. And finally, I broke my neck at a show. I had the first eight weeks off that I've ever had in my entire life. Like I went from university to WWE. School used to tell me what to do. Then WWE told me what to do. Then I was the busiest wrestler in the world for the first time ever. I was stationary for eight weeks. And she bluntly said, Drew, no things are going well right now, but you're going to crash and burn if you keep acting like this. And on top of that, I'm going to leave your ass. You're out of control. This is not healthy for you. It's not healthy for us. I spoke to her about my negative habits. I spoke to my family. I realized, thankfully, it wasn't an addiction. <clears throat> it was just a habit. It was the way I dealt with my emotions. I started opening up more to her. I cut out those negative aspects of my life. I stopped all the partying, and suddenly my head cleared. I recovered from that broken neck. And as well as I was doing, suddenly I was doing even better. My body got in 100 times better condition. My brain cloud that I assumed it was there for the rest of my life lifted. And within two months, I was talking to Triple H on the phone. And I returned back to WWE. Yeah, and now Triple H is on the back. One of the many blurbs that's on your book. I'm looking through, seeing the photographs. Beautiful photograph from your wedding right there in Florida from uh, on, this, on uh, 2016. This is great, man. This is uh, called A Chosen Destiny, Drew McIntyre, My Story. WWE superstar Drew McIntyre here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, now let's get to Vince McMahon. Uh, when was the f first time you met him? What was that experience like for you? Terrifying. You know, I, when I mentioned that I like, came from Scotland, I was straight on WWE television. I mean, I was there within three weeks. So if you can imagine myself, my dreams to be in WWE. I've been wrestling professionally since I was 15 years old, but it was a part-time job because I was in school the whole time. I got my degree at university in criminology at 21. I was basically at uni, and about 
within six weeks, I was part of WWE. I was on the road. I was sipping and catering, just wondering what was going on. I was like, there's The Undertaker. I've watched my entire life. There's Triple H. I've watched my entire life. This is crazy. I'm part of this roster. Be cool, Drew. Be cool, Drew. And Vincent Mann just sits himself down right in front of me, <laughs> asked me how I was doing. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, that's Vincent Mann. Don't say anything stupid. So we have a kind of casual conversation that lasts probably about a minute. Tells me good luck, walks off. And all I think to myself is, this is 13 years ago. Oh, my God, my accent was so thick back then. I mumble still to this day. He didn't understand a word I just said. So <laughs> I just ruined it all. My first conversation with Vincent Mann. So that's basically what I thought after our first conversation. I ruined it all. Your accent's too thick. He didn't understand a word you said. Oh, and it's all worked out. What was it like uh, to be uh, in the home of the Super Bowl this year, just a few months ago on WrestleMania? We're watching some of your uh, action. What was that like for you? That was unbelievable. Um, I mean, it was a point of the show. And I'm sure if you're following it with uh, the weather that we saw yes. for a second, it might not go ahead. And if you've you know, followed my career, read the book, you know, my first ever world title match was last year at WrestleMania where we had the worldwide pandemic. We put the show on in front of nobody, gave everyone escape during those difficult times. I won the WWE title from Brock Lesnar. Fast forward a year later, we've got the fans back. And once again, fighting for the title. We're going to redo it in my American hometown. Nothing can go wrong. And then suddenly the rain's coming down like crazy. We're evacuating fans in and out of the building. We do the national anthem at the beginning with the whole roster on the stage. I get to the back first. I'm ready for the first match. I'm with the first guy that walks out in front of the fans for the first time. in one year, one month, and one day. And I get told, Drew, there's going to be a 40-minute delay. What do you mean there's going to be a 40-minute delay? <laughs> so we have to buy time for the weather. So there was a lot of emotions going through me. Number one being, am I jinxed? The past two years I've been fighting for the title. And suddenly we've got a worldwide pandemic. We've got this weather delay. Whatever, we got through it. And I was the first person to walk out in front of that crowd. And they had been saving up that reaction for an entire year. Like, it was unbelievable yeah. to see them live in person, to hear them just scream and cheer like crazy as I come out there. I literally almost started crying. I'm not <laughs> in fact, I'm proud to admit, I don't care. I miss the fans. Like, I almost had tears coming down my face to see them live back in that building. But people across the world watching the show in that moment, I'm hoping they felt like, that's it. We're getting so close to them back to normal again. Look at that crowd at WrestleMania. Hey, look, you know, I mean, athletes want to entertain. You know what I mean? And so when it comes down to it, you, you want you want a crowd. You want to, you know, you want to feed off it. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, of course you want the fans there. I don't blame you for getting emotional. You know, I, I get emotional and I'm just calling the event. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, I, I, I hear you, Drew. Good on you. Yeah, that's such a big part of our show in WWE as well. Like, they're our number one superstar. They create that unique atmosphere you get in WWE. They're so loud, so passionate, so interactive. They can dictate the flow of a show and change the flow of the show by their reactions and not having them there. You know, has been very difficult to have them back. It's just a reminder of how important they are to us as WWE superstars. You got a question for him, TJ Jefferson, Rich Eisen Show uh, wrestling aficionado. You sure. Had, you had a good one for him last time he was right. on. I'll give you the floor one more time. What do you got for him? Hey, Drew, what's up, brother? Hey, brother. So um, one quick thing, Drew, about your book that you and I have in common a little bit. Yesterday I appeared on The Price is Right, okay? <laughs> We shot this episode back in March. And I, the Price is Right. The Price is Right, yes. <laughs> so I was on The Price is Right. We watched it live on air just to get everyone's reaction. Now, I know from your book, 
that you filmed WrestleMania last year a month in advance, and then you couldn't say anything for a few weeks until the show actually aired. So I understood where you were at. I couldn't say anything about Price is Right, and you couldn't say anything about WrestleMania. So, you know, I, I was I was filling you on that one. Um, but one thing I do want to ask you, Drew, I, I like to ask all the wrestlers is, if you had to assemble an all-time Survivor Series team, five members, yourself included, of wrestlers in their prime, who would you pick? Every time I'm put on the spot with these things, I answer them. Then later on, I go, ah, I should have said this person, this person, this person. Let's just throw out a few names then, a few obvious ones. See, about Andre the Giant, The Undertaker, maybe Bret Hamann Hart in his prime, Stoko Steve Austin in his prime is pretty much unbeatable. Oh, here we got. And the man I faced last year, Brock Lesnar. That seems like a bit of a, of a team right there. Later on, I'm going to start thinking to myself, damn it, I should have put this person in. And the West, let's just go with that right now. It's okay, Drew. I'm the last member, by the way. If that was four, I'm obviously the last member. No, it, it's, it, it was five. I that think was five. We, it was five. And um, you, you, can, you can be five plus one. And if you want to amend it, uh, we'll have you back on soon. Uh, but also yeah, I'll just, jump one of the guys and take their spot. I'm definitely part of that team. If I have to jump, <laughs> of course, under the giant, take his spot. That's fine. <laughs> okay, I, I like that, no doubt. And uh, you know, and and when you had to wait uh, a month to tell somebody about for your WrestleMania pre-record to be revealed, similar to what TJ went through for the Price Is Right, is it also similar to TJ's experience that after WrestleMania, all you did was walk away with a ping pong table and a popcorn machine? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I had the WWE Championship. Oh, okay. oh right. yeah, yeah, that yeah. didn't happen for it was, TJ. It was a weird old month. Like, like, it was actually a week in advance, sorry, not a month. And I, I put the WWE Championship when I won it and we pre-recorded it in my, like I'm in the office right now. I put it in the closet and I told myself nothing's official in entertainment or WWE till it's official. Ah. I think things change a whole bunch of my career. So I don't believe anything until it happens, even if it's pre-recorded. So okay. I put it in the office. If you listen to my media during that week when I'm talking about the match, you would have 100% believed that we didn't pre-record it because in my mind, nothing's official to us official. We watched it on the sofa, my wife and I, with our cats. And when uh, I won the title and the referee's presenting me with the championship on TV, the coolest thing about it was my wife has been such a big part of my journey, presented me the title in real life, which is a really special moment that for us. That is great. What are your cats' names, Drew? What do you got? My cat's names are Chaz and Hunter. Not named after Triple H. He's a part Maine Coon, known for their hunting and intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, TJ, he got a championship. He did. Um, yeah. And all you got was just a ping pong table and a popcorn machine. But it other than that, true. it's all I'm good. I have a ping pong table or a popcorn machine if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Does that help? It makes me feel. Little, I mean, yeah, it makes me feel a little bit better about the situation, Drew. Thanks. Hey, Drew, congrats on the book. Uh, I always enjoy our chats. That's now two for two. I've always uh, enjoyed your work as well. Thanks for coming on here. Let's do it again soon, please. Absolutely. Thank you for having me once again. Appreciate the time, and I look forward to doing it again in the future. At at D. McIntyre, WWE on Twitter and Instagram. And again, where all books are sold, a chosen destiny. Drew McIntyre, my story. One to root for right there. T.J. Jefferson equating his TPIR experience to WWE. They're basically the same. They are. They are the same. His walkout was just as good, if not better. Thank you. You got T.J. Thank you, Mike. That walkout. Thank you. I love it. See, but after that, after that, it was downhill. Drew McIntyre knows that once you come up with the walkout, you have to finish the job. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to seal the deal. You've got to finish the job. You can entertain and still Still win. win. Well, in the world of wrestling, sometimes you entertain and you still lose. So, I mean, all I know is based on how things have happened for Drew McIntyre, obviously, since his rebirth Mm -hmm. and this book, that Drew McIntyre just, I believe he just tweeted at us, the original name of his book was I Took the Middle Key. <laughs> that's the chosen destiny. And plus, like, I Drew, took the middle key of life. Rich, like, Drew, take I took the middle key. I am an author, a published author as well. So that's something else that Drew and but, I have in DJ, common. we just need to get you on Wheel of Fortune next so you can redeem yourself. Yes. <laughs> I think yes. um, you'd like to buy a vowel when it's all, con- you know, it's the only consonants left on the board. Oh, no. What about my match day? It's, no, it's, it's, again, it's an out-of-body experience. It must have been totally bizarre. It was bizarre for me to give away a showcase yeah. years ago on there. And I, I, there was no pressure. All I had to do was literally go, you know, like this, and then like this, and then say a brand new card, because that's what I wanted to say. You know? That's it. That's all I do was this. And this and that, whatever. You had to actually play a game. That I'd never seen before. That you never seen before. Take the middle key. I'm going to go and let's make a deal. Sansei. I should have been your Sansei. <laughs> I'm going to go and let's make a deal and redeem myself. What up, Wayne Brady? He was just oh. on. We should have asked him. But we couldn't. We couldn't. Because we couldn't reveal. Like Drew McIntyre. Back in a moment here to set up the rest of the week here on the Rich Oh, come on. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I had no idea we're now having an Ask Mike Del Tufo social media Twitter segment. The first one was, what's a good first date? Helicopter ride to Catalina for dinner, then back again, if you don't stay overnight. <laughs> Is this million-dollar matchmaker? Like, that's high rolling. You want to tell Emmanuel what your idea great for a first date is? Helicopter ride to Catalina, dinner, and back. Yes. Really? For Wait, a first, first, date? first date? Somebody that you've, you've just met? Hell yeah. Really? You want to yeah. make an impression? You wouldn't be totally freaked out if somebody... No, I would be like, wow, this is your first date? I can't wait to see what the second date is. That would be a flight to San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Now it just gets creepier. I mean, listen, if that person Mm -hmm. is into all of those things, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh my! All right, Delta, you're in. Wow, wow! I have no comment. Now you're so sweet. What would be a no-no for you? You want to know, like, lame? Yeah, sure. Like, if a first date was like, yeah, so let's go get uh, dinner and go see a movie, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, uh, no. 
Really? A movie? You can do that like when you've been dating for six months. What if the movie Super Troopers 2? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Michelle Beadle what your answer was to somebody's question of what's your perfect idea of a, of a perfect first date. A helicopter ride from Los Angeles to Catalina for dinner and then back. Wow. For the first date? Thank you. Yeah. Thank what you, the, Michelle. Who is this girl? That's, that's a lot. I don't want to die with some stranger on a first date <laughs> helicopter. I'm one in one. I'll take my one. I'll take the 500. Emmanuel Shrieky said she loved it. I mean, she's more woman than me. Anyway. You know, I take her word now. I'm, ba- I'm back on board. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> hey. Uh, we've said and done a lot of stupid things. In the <laughs> of the you know, no doubt about it. Oh, boy. Oof. Interesting phone call I'm getting right now. Uh oh. I can't answer. Is it right from now. Emmanuel Shrieky? Huh? <laughs> Is it from Emmanuel Shrieky? Huh? She wants to take it. No, it's from somebody who's been mentioned on this show in regards to also the uh, the tweet you just mentioned to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. Is it, I can't oh, answer it right now. Jose Altuve is calling you? Jeff Passan? No, I'm not going to say. Carlos Carrasco. I, I, can't, I can't answer right now. Interesting. Oh, is it Michael K? No, I can't answer right oh, now. Man. Is it Brock oh. Lesnar? I'm just going to respond. I am on the air right now, and I imagine he doesn't want to be on the air right Probably now. Probably back at 20. I'm literally on the air right now. Is it Drew Carey confirming the middle no. key when I'm going the prize <laughs> for TJ? I mean, I want to know. <laughs> He's on, let's see, yeah. Is it Patch Stajak? Wayne Brady. He's on, let's make it. All right, we're back here on the Rich Eisen Show, everybody. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Strahan wants me for one of his videos. Uh, all right. What's going on over there? Anything going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on over there? Uh, you know, not much, Rich, to be honest. Do I'm, you have any news updates? Well, I'm more interested in what's going on on your phone right, right? now. He's being but, very uh, coy over there. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, no, we gotta... uh, Brett, Fa- Brett Favre has spoken again. Uh, well, Favre says that... Uh... Favre says his gut is... T- Favre is actually sticking to sports this time. Oh, boy. Uh, he says he's but not we- optimistic... Rodgers will play for Green Bay ever again. His gut tells him he's gone. Mm-hmm. His gut tells you he's gone. I don't know, man. I, I, I every single time I comment on it, I've been I've been off, with the exception of me seeing a problem coming down the pike because everybody's seeing how Brady was able to be uh, accommodated. In the last year, and everybody wants to be accommodated in the same way. So apparently, uh, Brett was on no, uh, on his pod with Eric with Eric Bowling, and he said that's what he said. No, this is today oh. on radio in Wisconsin. Oh, okay, sorry. Did about forty five minutes. Uh, the big quote here is: "I think I know Aaron fairly well, and honestly, I don't see him coming back and just saying, all right, let's bury the hatchet.' Um, it's with the front office." Will he swallow his pride and come in? Maybe, but I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. If there's not a trade, my gut tells me he'd rather sit out than play. All right. He likened it to how Barry Sanders walked away from the Lions. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I could sit here and say, yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. But Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, we'll know in June when June all, one, yeah. all this can be yeah, worked June out. June 2nd. Yeah. Can we book everybody for June 2nd? Because... <laughs> I mean, we could have Julio dealt. We could oh, have Rodgers dealt. I mean, 
How about that? Usually June one is like uh, you know NBA finals. It'll be it'll be NBA In the middle of the playoffs. Yeah. Well, it'll be NBA first round, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Because you got to go through the. Yeah, there's still about ten games left in the season, eight to ten games. Right, and then comes games. the. Then we got the playing play tournament, tournament that LeBron, LeBron, is, LeBron hates. Is pissed about, even though last year he said it was great for the league. Well, <laughs> that was because, you know, not everyone was going to the bubble. I mean, right. It was a totally different set of circumstances. Now, the Lakers. Let me get this right. Lakers are Lakers are one in front of the Blazers. Lakers have lost seven to ten. Oh, that's a shame. We haven't hit. We haven't hit. We haven't hit LeBron saying that he doesn't think he'll ever be back to one hundred full strength. Yeah. You know, this is an interesting quote by him. He knows what he's doing, right? Everything he says is with purpose to make him look so great after the oh, fact. Geez. Okay? So LeBron is setting oh up that I will, I've missed all this time. I'll never be 100% again. So, you know, if he wins another championship, the narrative now becomes, oh, my gosh, he did. He won again, and he just, wasn't 100%. Let me just say this. I, I'm going to say this. I, I don't I don't. Anytime I'm in a negotiation, I go to the darkest place possible. I do. Anytime. Ask my agents when you see them next time. Yeah. I'm fully, supremely confident in my abilities. I, how many times have I bet on myself? Yeah. You've seen it. How right, many yeah. times I've have I bet it. on yeah, myself? I've seen it. Yes. And I will continue uh, to do it. And I will continue to do it. If forced to bet on myself, I'm going to bet on myself. Did you bet over 45,000? How many times <laughs> have I? Uh, honestly. I, I, and I won't go over. He didn't know He will never bid. He will never, he never, never bid. No. Because I understand. I understand. I understand how not to go over. But I will always bet on myself. You know, and make sure yes. that I don't just walk out with a ping pong table and a popcorn machine. But I, I do have on occasion the I have no, I'm serious. I do have on occasion the the default of I'm just gonna go to the darkest place. And and get to battle stations. And and LeBron, maybe he's the same guy. And he's just a friggin' human being with a microphone in front of his face and it just comes out of his mouth and he's not like, I'm going to say this. When I come back from my ankle injury, I'm going to make sure that I say I'm never going to get back to full strength just so the people on the Rich Eisen show and First Take and whatever (laughs) can never say to me that I'm in declining years because I've already set out there, look for it, because I've got an ankle injury. And if he wins another title, suddenly it's like, oh, look, he's the same guy who said that he's won the two hardest NBA titles of all time. Who says that about themselves? Some LeBron James. LeBron James. And that's the way he feels. Honestly. How many times has he ever like said he had regrets for anything? Like that one time the Jim Gray thing, right? That he would have done it differently? I guess. Honestly. I, I doubt that. Honestly, that. Uh, you know, and I, everyone accuses so many athletes of just, you know, being so into themselves and whatever. And, and they might they might be in a bubble or something like that. But maybe he really does feel this way. Like, damn it. You know, this just happened to me. I don't know if I can, you know, I, I know my body. I know everything that goes into it. And I just know that that spring is not going to be. You talk to a doctor. You hear it could be six months. So you get your spring back. It's definitely not going to happen during the playoffs. You, you saw what happened. He finally got hurt with his groin, and it blew everything up. Yeah. So that didn't work out, right? It was the worst year of his career, pretty much, when that happened. 
So now here comes another injury. He's not used to having it, and he just says something like that. Well, how about that being a possibility? Uh, how about that? I, I find that unlikely. You think it's more likely that he actually sat down yes. with his team and say, I know that, you know, just in case, yeah, maybe not with I've team, come back but... as a shadow of myself or within his own head, I just want to I want to front load my decline, my physical decline by admitting to it in advance. I'm going to do that because the last thing I want, purpose. oh gosh, the last thing I want to do is is go to Twitter and see somebody criticizing me when all I have to do is just put the phone down and go, you know, hang out with my gajillions and do whatever television show and movie I want to do. You know, like literally, like yeah. seriously. I think he's the opposite of Kyle Shanahan. I think it's everything. Everything is, not, everything is, is, is staged. Everything is, well, for just for huh. a reason. Okay. And with reason to set, and I'll up, say that maybe to set up future narratives. And that may, that may happen in other parts yeah. of his career. Like, you know, make sure that players become free agents and demand trades so they can play with him. I mean, like that, that I would believe. Well, he had his he had his team force another player to quit, I, or so they could join his team. I would believe so, that he does have an architect for his yeah. for his own end game scenario, like the same thing that Aaron Rodgers is trying to arch- make for himself, that Brady did for himself. LeBron said, "I'm going to go to Los Angeles, and I want to make sure I've got the best possible team around me, and I want the best possible running mate." I believe that, but I, maybe he just had a moment where he just said that in the same way that the playing game. He's like, "This is crap." The person who should get who came up with the idea should get fired. <laughs> like maybe that's he's just maybe he's just saying what's on his mind. Because maybe he's just because like, he's got a play in it now. Maybe that's just why. like everybody I know that gets like, older, which is like they stop caring what's coming out of their mouths. Yeah, this is factual. But he only hates you know? it because he has to play in it. That's why. Well, is there something wrong with that? Yet. Though? Not yet. Not with the year before you said it's good for the league. Well, there's fewer teams tanking. I know that. It is good for the league. Yes, it is. Yeah, 100%. There are fewer teams tanking. Now it's just the teams that are outside that you're accusing you of tanking, like the Raptors, who actually just beat the uh they just beat, beat the, the Lakers. Lakers. But they, they, you know, they're, they're three and a half out. By the way, one, one last thing on this subject, and then we can end the show. Dude, you might get a red, smoking, hot Russell Westbrook oh, I know. in the Celtics first round of that playing game for your team. Disaster. I know Tatum's throwing it like it's thrown, like he's thrown into the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, disaster but, scenario. I mean, Westbrook. Yeah. Did you see that stat that he could average zero points, yeah. zero assists, zero rebounds in every game the rest of the year, and he'll still average a triple-double yeah. this season? Great. He's so <laughs> like, on fire right now, and it's that Wizards team that could be walking in through that door in Boston. Oh, I, I wouldn't. But I, you still like the idea? Of the playing game? Yeah. yeah, it's great for the league. Okay. Yeah, it's good for the league. But you're still fine with that if you get to see a red-hot smoking, It's red, fine. Red smoking we, we, hot we deserve it. Russell. The Celtics deserve to okay. lo- the way this year's gone. Right. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I like the tech. Don't get me started about Russell Westbrook, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> Brockman is not a fan of his stats. Of, of He's, super- a stat. He's a stat compiler, according to Oh, my gosh. Like, you guys He's are the Frank Gore of the NBA. You're seduced by the triple I don't know who he holds in lower regard, to be honest with you. You're seduced by the triple double. It's fine. By the way, you guys are going to feel dumb when I go to the Olympics for ping pong. That's all I'm saying. We're going to see who's laughing then. He's going to play Forrest Gump. Guess what? We'll have our popcorn ready to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Popcorn and ping pong. Next game. Let's go. That's the sequel to From Monaco to El Segundo. No, I can't. (laughs) Let's see if we get Anthony Anderson to screen that one. That's the sequel. 
Of all the times you don't have the drop ready, you're like literally got the heaviest. Playing. You got the heaviest finger on that drop. It's like this. Brandon Staley and Sean Monaco Payton. to El Segundo. Yeah. I had the music ready, ready to go. Well done. That's the play big uh, panel oh. right there from our buddy Tom Person. Uh, Brandon Staley, Sean Payton, Howie Roseman, Drew McIntyre. Thanks to them. Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons. Billy Crystal is on wow. tomorrow's show. Very excited about that. Back to take you to brother from another on Peacock in a moment. <laughs> 